You're listening to Supply Chain Radio. This is Matt Gunn, joined today by Guy Cortin. Guy, we're talking today about product recalls and the damage that they can do to your reputation, if not your bottom line, in today's world where everyone is connected, where social media and the immediacy of the internet mean that news travels fast. Yes. And we're going to look at Samsung and we're going to look at Apple as a couple of examples of what can go wrong with a major product launch. Yeah. So Galaxy Note 7, they're catching on fire. Minor problem with something you put by your head, yes, and you carry around <laughs> with you 24-7. Right, so this news happened pretty quickly after the product launch. All of a sudden, there were a couple isolated reports, someone's Jeep catching on fire, here's the video. Someone else had a phone, I guess, that wasn't burning. So they didn't have a Samsung. It must not have been, right? In the grand scheme of things, they're recalling a million phones as a result of this. Now the damage might be a little bit larger reputationally, because now all of a sudden, Airlines aren't letting you turn your Samsung Note 7 on during the flight. There are warnings in public places, right. and there's been a lot of headlines. Right. Want right. to talk about that a little bit? You know, it's one of those things, Matt, where the damage done from a reputation standpoint, I think, is hard to measure. Financially, we know by some estimates it's between $1 and $5 billion worth of damages is going to happen, whether it's just the recall itself or lost sales for Samsung. And even for a company like Samsung, who obviously has tremendous cash flow and makes a lot of money, that's still a big big amount of cash. I think you're absolutely right. I think it, it's sort of this interesting world we live in where whether it's consumer electronics, whether it's cars, whether it's clothing, the time to market has become so shrunken. We as consumers are driving these brands to bring out new product at a faster and faster pace. And to your point, Samsung's trying to get ahead of the curve before iPhone and the Apple come out with their new phone. Right? So there's even more competition, uh, speed to market. And again, that, that new product introduction window and horizon really gets shrunken down. So what happens is that when we get things like this that occur, it's hard to sort of put the genie back in the bottle because the damage is done. Right? And even though the numbers show that, well, yes, a million phones can be recalled, but the actual amount of phones that are having this issue is so, so minuscule that 10, 15, 20 years ago, without social media and without you know some of the channels we have to know about this, we never hear of it, right? It would just sort of be written off as a loss and a few of these people who had these problems would have a lawsuit or something and Samsung would settle and, and we in the general public would, unless we read page 12 of the business section, would never know of this. But today, because as to your point, I can video it and put it right on YouTube or I can periscope it live, all of a sudden the whole world can see it and it goes viral for the wrong reasons. And I think that's an interesting, an interesting dilemma facing a lot of these companies that are you know, B2C or, or really B2B as well, but more B2C and, and where we as the consumer want these things to come out faster and faster, better, faster, newer, cooler, but we don't realize that, hey, sometimes you know, there's physics involved like with a phone, right? There's battery, there's lithium, there's stuff in there that science and physics have to sort of take its time before you just sort of unleash it on the consumer. Right, and when you are trying to be innovative with a device, you're going to be using new technology. With each edition that comes out, you have something like a phone where the biggest race right now is to get one more hour of battery life, <laughs> right? right? Right, and that's interesting, and, and not by no means am I technical enough to understand this, but I was reading some reports on the battery issue, and you're absolutely right. It's You're trying to squeeze out even more power and durability out of something that from a physics standpoint has limitations. So you're asking, or we as consumers are asking to get this type, hey, I don't want six hours, I want seven hours, I want 10 hours, I want 12 hours. Well, you hit a certain ceiling when you do that and all of a sudden 
the physics take over and say, well, you, you can't cram this much stuff in there without some risks. And I think that's what we're seeing. And I think we as consumers at some point need to sort of balance that, right? Understand that, you know, especially in consumer electronics, there is a there is an aspect of, of physics and chemistry and, and science behind it that sometimes you just you cannot go past without breaking. Yeah. Now, it was interesting how Samsung handled this whole thing at first, right? So we first saw some reports about phones catching on fire or other pieces of property as a result. And at first, the recall was voluntary. They warned people against the potential for it. Then they said, well, we could do a software fix where you can only charge your phone to 60%, which defeats the whole purpose of innovating your battery, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, And then eventually they worked with uh, the right people to get, to do a little bit of forensics and then make this product recall announcement. A million phones is not very many phones when, when you look at phones as a whole, but I think this one struck a certain nerve. It's perhaps now with our very connected age that the phone is the most personal thing that we own. So people do take this personally when it happens. Yeah, and I think it's it's not just that the phone itself is such a an extension of us as people, which you know we can get into that philosophical discussion <laughs> at that point. And you're right, a million phones is not that big. I mean, some of the numbers I've seen in the past and have happened, like in you know 2009, Nokia had to recall 46 million phones for the same reason, right? And in 2000, Dell had to have a big recall on their batteries. So we've seen this before. So it's not even the recall for the battery that is new. We've seen it. But I think you're absolutely right. It's the way you know Samsung handled it and the device itself, right? Yes, Nokia recalled all these phones back in 2009, but clearly the phone was not what it is today. And I think that's the other part of it too: is you know how fast, you know, sort of in a hypothetical, how fast can these companies sort of react to these types of situation? And to your point exactly, you know, the forensics of it: how quickly can they figure out? So by some reports, it was the manufacturing of the battery itself that messed stuff up. By other reports, in some areas, like in China, it was actually something completely unrelated to the battery, right? The question becomes for a Samsung is how fast can they go back into their supply chain, into their network, and understand and identify the core issue of why this is happening, right? Because if, hey, maybe you know it's a faulty manufacturing process at this level two supplier, the sooner you can identify that, the sooner you can either switch supplier or you know change the process or even identify which SKUs use that particular part because they might have multiple suppliers making the same part you know going into the phone. To your point, from a public relations standpoint, it's how fast can they identify and get ahead of it. From a supply chain standpoint, it's how fast can they do the forensics and identify the where the root cause is and then solve it. Right, and you key in on something pretty interesting there now. To the consumer, to me, a Samsung device, uh, a Galaxy running Android with the features that it has is a lot different from, say, an iPhone 7. But when you look at it and when you take those devices apart, there's a lot of components that are kind of the same or they come from very similar places or even the same factories a lot of times. And so uh, this particular issue might be more widespread, so you also have to consider the wider effect that it has maybe on other people that you've been selling that uh, yeah. component to as well. Too. Yeah, no, it's it's a great point. I mean, if you look back, sort of an unrelated, well, related but different industry, you know, a few years back there was that big uh, peanut recall here in the United States where unfortunately I think some people actually died because of it. And they were finding it in a whole host of different products. And they were able to trace it back to one processing plant somewhere in Georgia where they were processing certain peanuts and then that was being distributed to a whole host of different end products from different brands. But to your point, it's when we look at these things, whether it's consumer electronics or food, 
right? There's a lot of times there's a handful of sort of suppliers that are supplying a lot of different brands the same product. And the question becomes, well, could this be a problem that the iPhone 7 has one day? Or maybe a different one, or maybe you know an LG phone or a Huawei phone, whatever it may be. And I think that again sort of goes back to this notion of knowing your supply chain you know, intimately, if you will, because at some point these problems will probably arise the sooner, let's take the PR side aside, but the sooner you can identify where the problem came from, the sooner you can get ahead of the, not only the messaging, but just resolving the actual problem, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's something, again, as the pace and the speed at which we not only innovate, but we produce these products is becoming even more important to be able to have sort of that constant evaluation of your supply chain and doing the audit, if you will, to know, you know, if this comes up, can I identify the problem, how quickly and how quickly can I resolve it? Right, to be able to be that flexible and that agile as you make responses to these things when they do come up makes a big difference later on when you're able to take that problem out of your supply chain or at least warn others to it before it becomes an issue. Right, and I think that's, to your point, an intimate object like the phone, which has become such for us, in a way, people's safeties are at risk here. I mean, people, you know, we carry these in our pockets and you know, on the plane and in our cars, and we charge them by our bed stands at night when we're asleep. You know, heaven forbid those things catch on fire when I'm, you know, charging my phone and it's sitting right by my bed in the middle of the night. Right. And the best that you can do at a certain point is just simply be aware of it and try to understand it, especially as a manufacturer, and then do those proactive pieces, the outreach, the forensics within your supply chain, identifying it and being very transparent about the process of making it better. I think we've seen issues in recent recalls, Takata airbags, for instance, right. where it took a lot longer for the truth to come out and the results have been even more intensified in terms of damage done. Right. Well, like the saying goes, it's easy to say, hard to practice, right? The cover-up's always worse than the crime. And we're seeing this, you know, in this situation that, you know, trying to, great point about the airbags, right? Trying to sort of delay and cover it up the truth will come out eventually. We were all kids at one point, and I think we realized that, that hey, if you, you know, if you broke mama's favorite vase, trying to hide it and you know, pretend someone else did it, the longer you do that, the worse the outcome becomes. Just came up and fessed up and says, yeah, I did it. You take your punishment and move on. Usually it was a lot less, but it was the cover-up that always created more of a, of a stir, if you will, in the house, at least speaking for myself. But I think that same thing we're seeing in these situations. You're absolutely right. And I get it. Part of it is, you know, people, you know, what they see is like in Samsung's case, right? One to $5 billion worth of loss. That's a big number regardless. But, you know, whether it delayed it or try to cover it up, it was going to come out eventually. And I think their, their brand damage, the longer they wait, that's the part that's really going to suffer the most. And it's interesting because there's, you know, like Sprint CEO came out and said, well, in six, seven months, we won't remember this. And you know, he might have a point there, but my question would be, well, what happens in those six, seven months, right? In consumer electronics standard, like, that's a lifetime, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we're already looking at, you know, I've, I've been reading pieces now on the iPhone 8. What's that going to look like, right? The iPhone 7 just came out. I've been looking at stuff on, you know, Samsung. What's this new phone going to look like? So we're already talking about the next phone, which is a year or two away, but in six months, no, we're not going to forget about this. And during that six months, you know, if people tilt a little bit more to the iPhone over the Samsung, you know, that's that's important because that puts them on a, you know, an iPhone cycle and we know the whole process, right? So I think it's not trivial. It's not something to sort of sweep under the rug and say, well, people will forget about it. Yeah, we forget about everything at some point. But back to the earlier point, you know, as we demand things faster, quicker, better, 
and we expect these products to be introduced into the market better, that six months is a very long time. Right, we'll be waiting for the Note 8. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a great point though that, yes, it, the world does move on and especially in electronics it moves fast, but there's people that'll be thinking differently when they make that next choice. And I think that you know, that $5 billion, while not trivial at all, can become much worse if, if it isn't fixed. And if the work isn't done to help repair that reputation and ensure that the supply that they do have coming into their new phones is safe. Right. And you look at things, you know, like I mentioned the Dell example from, um, from 2000, right? I mean, the only reason that got caught was because someone videotaped the f laptop catching on fire. I think it was in some conference in Singapore or something like that. And it went viral, right? It, it went on the internet and just took off. And people to this day still kind of joke about that. That's sort of a, you know, that's sort of a joke you'd rather not have persist with your brand. And I'm sure Samsung themselves, they probably don't like the fact that if you walk into an airport, there are TSA warnings everywhere, specifically about your product, right? Yes, it's your product, it's your brand name everywhere, but for the wrong reasons. That, just being up for a day is very painful, let alone for as long as it's going to be up and as probably as long as sort of the jokes will be running around it, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. That Those instances, especially when you become the bad guy out of something that, that you can fix quickly and move on from, those hurt the most. Those hurt the most. All right, Guy, thanks for talking to me today. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Hopefully your Samsung doesn't catch on fire. Fingers crossed. This has been an episode of Supply Chain Radio. 